Hey there, True Multifamily listeners, Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser. Here today, special guest, Omar Khan. Omar, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Justin. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you and the invite. I'm really excited. Uh, We've been connected on LinkedIn and I saw you made a post not too long ago. And I was like, man, this guy is just sharing with people. He's showing off what he's doing, but it's educational as well. I was like, I have to have him on the podcast. So that's why you're here. Thank you uh, for accepting my invitation. I really No, thank you for hosting me. So let's get into it. Yeah. So uh, tell everyone, start at the beginning, tell us a bit about yourself, um, how you got into multifamily investing and and sort of what your company's doing now. So look, my my family's been in real estate. I'm the third third or fourth generation. I'm kind of forgetting, uh, but I, it wasn't necessarily like I got into it because, well, you know, I love real estate or anything of the sort. I still think real. I think it's a great business, but it's a means to an end. It's not you know everybody's passionate about different things. You know, I was never the guy who was passionate about real estate. I but I do think it's a means to an end. Uh, so. I had a good personal background, family-based. I worked in investment banks, sales and buy sites or advisory as well as acquisitions. And when I moved down from Canada a few years ago, basically realized between my wife and I, I mean, we were starting our 30s, early 30s. We were comfortably paying into the high six figures in taxes every year. And I knew all the tax write-offs and all of that thing that's pretty relatively easier to get through real estate. So that was the big impetuous for us. Um, and again, just having that network working in finance, having that network, but also having a personal background, right? So it kind of helps you mm-hmm. to provide context. A lot of financial guys just think everything runs on a spreadsheet. And you know, I mean, reality is kind of different. You have yeah. to hold people accountable, but the world is much different. It's not a spreadsheet, sadly. So yeah. it's not logical, right? Right. So having those context or having those experiences in place uh, help me kind of work both the technical aspect of things as well as the people management aspect of things. And then we just kind of went from there, right? We did a couple of deals with partners, started doing our own deals. And, you know, it's the same as everybody else. You put one foot after the other and some steps are successful and some are not as successful and you learn from your mistakes. And uh, that's basically how it happened. That's great. So what does your team and company look like now? How so large have, are you? And, and who's, So who's we purposefully you? try to keep it very sim- small. We have about 1,500 units that we manage across Texas, Georgia, and Florida. And we have our one, two, three, four, we have four or five people now uh, and two assistants. And again, the whole deal for us is we've laid down our processes, we've laid down our systems, and we're improving them. You know, it, it's one of those constantly improving things, right? But we, because we're coming from an institutional background, so for our internal business, even though it's not the same size, we're not running billions of dollars, we understood, we understood the power of putting uh, standardization across the board, having processes and all of that put in from day one, and you keep improving that. So because of that, uh, we've been able to operate very quickly with not a lot of people, as opposed to traditionally having a lot more people do the same amount of work. Yeah, got it. Um, can you share a little bit more on the, the process side? That's something that, that really interests me. So just maybe give us an example of 
of some of the processes that you guys are have implemented and, and tools that you use? Look, it's tools and basically it's nothing fancy. It's just mm. basically making sure everything we do basically, so let's put it this way. The bulk of the work we do, and with some exceptions, it is consistent week in and week out. So as an mm. example, we take meeting minutes in a particular felt format. I don't care how profound your point is. I don't care how important it is. It has to fit into that format. The idea is that say two weeks, three weeks, or even a week from now, when I'm looking back on that material, I don't need to, it would be good if I had context, but if I didn't have context, I still need to just jump in and be able to quickly figure it out, right? Then basically managing our CapEx process, of course, there's a construction component and that's just constant communication, communication, communication. But then making sure we're tra- how we're tracking all of our processes. How are we making sure, for instance, are our subcontractors, are they basically doing the renovations? Because typically at the start of the project, everybody's gung-ho, they're turning over units quickly. And by the sixth month, these guys start dragging their feet, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's two weeks here, two weeks there. So it's tracking all of those steps. As an example, recently was having a conversation with a GC who was really good at the start. Now he's lacking. And after uh, tenants actually left the apartment because you know their lease ran out and all of that stuff, sometimes he takes up to seven days to get there. So we only did that on three apartments and we're like, all right, dude, can't do that no more. Either right. you gotta leave or you gotta be there on time. And he quickly figured out that if he wants to make money, he has to be there on time. And for us, the thing is all of our vendors know that we always pay on time. We never have any issues paying. So they will, as long as you're doing the work, they will never have an issue with paying, uh, getting paid on time in whatever capacity they like. Yeah, I think that's so valuable and something that might be overlooked by maybe some some newer apartment investors and newer syndicators, but having the people that are working for you get paid on time, like that's ultimately really what they care about. And they will do good work. And, and if they have the capability, they'll do it and they'll show up as long as you're paying on time. But you still have to crack the whip. It's sorry, it's sad, but you have to crack the whip. It's constantly because for one, Three days, you stop doing it, and it's like people just go on easy street. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I love actually having multiple contractors in uh, similar projects at the same time where, you know, they're looking across the hall or, or at the next building over, and there's another guy's truck doing the same scope of work on another unit, right? That breeds some competition and shows them you're not the only game in town. Yeah. Um, so you start slacking off. I'm going to give the next guy more units. Exactly. But as long as you're on top of them, you're organized, and everybody has their own definition of organization. Right. But I always feel it's better to over-communicate than under-communicate. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about your latest project that you're working on right now. So we uh, had a relatively quiet 2020 because we invested. I invested a good portion of my own money into all my projects, even though I raised money externally. So we did a smaller project, smaller for us at least. It was only $16 million uh, in Newnan, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. But here it was a complete clean canvas in terms of value. Right? We had to do a lot of stuff, lots of deferred maintenance. So we just got done actually as of two years ago with all the roofs. We changed okay. them in about a month and a half takeover. Uh, now we're basically doing all the interior renovations. And that, that, that process obviously takes longer. We're doing irrigation, taking care of all the wood rod siding repairs, pressure washing is done. Paint is going to start happening. We're making some private backyards for the, some of the townhomes that are there that. just so that you can add some more ancillary income that way. And it's, but again, all of this was decided before we took over, right? And we put it on a calendar of like, you know, you have some stretch targets and lots of stretch mm-hmm. targets. And you just have to, at least for us, we just have to manage to a calendar. So as long as we're managing to a calendar, as long as we're managing to a set of deliverables by a certain deadline and on budget, obviously. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's all I care about. I don't really give a shit if you do it on Saturday. I don't give a shit if you do it on Sunday. I don't care if you do it at 10 p.m. at night. As long as you get the work done on time without pissing off people and on budget. As long yeah. as you do that, really don't care when you do it. So uh, I love that. And I have a, a project management background before I got into real estate. And so, you know, I do at the start a lot of business planning, project planning here. Tell us about your process from, okay, we've got this project we've identified, we might put an offer in. How do you figure out what CapEx needs to go in when? How do you go about building that, that plan? Well, right from the start, I already have my property manager and construction manager touring with me. We're taking notes as we're doing the property tours. So we already have a rough idea there. During the due diligence process, actually, you're now peeking more under the hood. And as they're doing it, uh, we use a software called Smartsheets. Uh, but it's, I, I mean, the software is nice, but it's not like some revolutionary right. Software, right? There's lots of softwares like that. I just gave you one example. There's multiple softwares like that. Internally, we even use Asana, but I know other people use Trello and uh, there's a couple mm-hmm. other project management yep. softwares as well. My point is, it's not really the software. A lot of people get so hung up on the software. Oh my God, what software are you using? You still got to use the freaking software because if <laughs> right. you don't use the software and you lose steam by the second month. It doesn't matter how good of a software you have. You could even use it on... Uh, a blank sheet, as long as you're consistently doing it. So we have our construction property managers tour with us. We take extensive notes, we log them, we compile them together, even before take takeover, official takeover. We've already have a CapEx plan built out with the budget built out already. Then we already have a calendar of deadlines built out before we take over, or maybe within the first couple of days of takeover. And with the idea, and we're getting better and better at this, with the idea being that on the day of takeover, work begins as close to that time as possible. Now it's yes. not always on the exact same day. We've been able to get it within a week and we're trying mm-hmm. to reduce that time, but we're trying to just chip away at these things. Why is it so important to start right away? Well, I mean, the earlier you start, the more you can do, right? Or the <laughs> or not even more you can do, the earlier you can get finished, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, the later you start, the later you'll get finished. It's it, To me, it's that simple. And plus, look, the point is, if you know you're going to do the work, then you might as well go do it. But look, if you're not going to do the work, I guess then delay as long as you want. <laughs> but if you, if you know you want to do the work, look, because in our for us, we've already raised the capital for renovations, right? Yep. So it's not like we're waiting for the money to come in and oh, oh my God, what am I going to do? We're not paying for any of the CapEx out of operational cash flows. So we don't got to wait. So for me, I'd much rather do like, and I'm also like this, that if I have say a seven day deadline, I kill myself and try to do it in the first three and a half days. And then I just want to relax in the last three and a half days. My point is everybody's different. I have a partner who's actually much better at it than I am. He's, and he's very disciplined, but he can do it systematically. So he break it up into seven day mm-hmm. chunks and do it. I can't do it that way. I, I just want to do a whole bunch of work up front <laughs> and relax on the back end. But sure. my point is, as long as we get the work done by the deadline that we have agreed. And a lot of this is just very simple blocking and tackling. This is not Elon Musk here trying to go to Mars, but you'd be surprised at, and I was actually very surprised coming from the institutional world at just how disorganized or, it's just how much people don't wanna take responsibility even for things that they are paid to do. So as an example, it's your job to do something. And yet you still don't wanna take responsibility. Yeah, you're like, bro, like, you're not even trying to go over and above. This is literally what you get paid to do. It's a, it is amazing. It does. I agree. It surprises me every day. And, you know, 
you've got to have the right staff. You've got to have the right team for you, yeah. but then you've got to have the right people on the property. So tell me about property management. Um, how are you vetting your property managers? How do you know a good property manager from a bad one? Oh man, we kissed a lot of frogs before we came to that. <laughs> right. So we now basically have given all of my, at least text Georgia and Florida properties to this one third party property management firm. I have a really good relationship with them. But to get to this stage, it took a lot. <laughs> and a lot of times it's because, you know, upfront, everybody's going to tell you all the things you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you can have the greatest back office, but if you have complete idiots on, the, on, the, on your property, so you can have the greatest property management firm, but if they hire complete morons on site, well, nothing's ever going to get done. I don't, I don't care how good your property management firm is because it's still somewhat of a thing that, you still need that last link in the chain to be extremely strong. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. I think it's the most important link in the chain, actually. Yeah. The, the, the people that are talking to your tenants, the people that yeah. are in the office when the prospect walks in, the people that are fixing the leaky sink. And, you know, if they're complaining and, and you know, bad mouthing the ownership or the management company or this or that, like that spreads around the property. Really. Dude, you'd be surprised like this, this Noonan asset, the smaller one that we took over, we... I'm not even joking with you. During takeovers, you know, when you're on the property doing unit walkthroughs and all that, we talked to the property manager and both my partner and I, my partner, I'm like quick and and it's not a good thing. Sometimes I'm quicker in having an opinion about something and he'll, mm-hmm. he'll take a little longer in having an opinion yep. because he it's just a personality type, right? Mm-hmm. And holy moly, we talked to this property manager and we thought somebody had died in her family. Oh, really? Like, and no, nobody has died actually. No, right, but no Unfair. personality, no, not energetic. No, it was like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, look, these people are going to roll all over you, right? She reeked of cigarette, number one. I mean, it wasn't like one or two. Mm-hmm. I thought she, it was like an ashtray, right? Then she had no personality. There was so much delinquency on the book. Like when we took over, one of the big things that the, the renters were saying was, well, what do you mean late fees? I'm going to pay my rent whenever I want. Like, right. well, yeah, you could do that. And then you will get evicted. So you cannot pay your rent if you like, because obviously it's a free country. But shit ain't going to work like that, son. Right. It ain't going to work like that. So it was small little things. You realize, like, if you never if you never knock on, say, late residents, people who are late rent, you never knock on their door. You never let them know rent is due. You never charge any fees. You... I mean, I mean, you're literally, you just come to the office and you sit in your office and you smoke cigarettes and then you go home. Yeah, that's not going to work. So how do you in your office um, recognize that that is a problem or could be a problem? And how do you you just had to talk to her the first five seconds you talked to her, you knew. I mean, it was (laughs) was so apparent that my partner who typically takes his time in making a decision, we both got out of that. And he's like, there is no freaking way we can ever keep her. I don't give a shit if she works for free. I don't Mm -hmm. care. We are never in a million years going to keep her. So we changed that pretty quickly. Yeah. But again, what? my point is, you understand, a lot, again, none of this is profound stuff. A lot right. of this just comes down to basic blocking and tackling, having a reasonable disposition. Nobody says you have to be smiling all the time, right? That'd be awful, actually. Um, but And then just literally just, just being organized. Hey, these are the people who paid me on time. And all of this is, by the way, on the computer even. So you don't even have to like physically like write it by hand, right. Right? right? These are the people that have not paid me on time. Here is a printout of all the units that have not paid me on time. 
every third or fifth or seventh, depending on what your sequence is, you go out, you knock on the door, you leave, and if by the second time they don't reply, they get back to you, leave a notice. By the third time, you leave another notice, and that's what you got to do, at least in the states we're in, right? Yep. Yep. This is not profound stuff. But how are you tracking this? Um, being the owner, being back in your desk. How, oh, it's very simple, man. Tell, I know tell how much me cash about... is coming. I know how much cash is coming into my bank account. Okay. And I'm also looking at who's delinquent, basically, on my rental. Right. Pretty freaking simple, man. All the yeah. major softwares have a delinquency report. Yep. All of them have it. I don't care what software you're using. All of them have a delinquency report. And you can cross references by the amount of cash coming into your bank. It's just a simple bank reconciliation, right? They got a match. It's just <laughs> simple. It's just double entry accounting. It's, easy. it's, it's accounting, yep. right? I mean, yep. this Absolutely. has to start to this thing. So not that hard. If, if you're doing your job, it's not that hard. If you're not doing your job, it's a pain. Agreed. I want to talk about um, 2020 and COVID. You brought this bought this property during COVID. You're saying um, you, you obviously have 1,500 units. So what uh, what were some challenges that you had over the last 12 months with collections, delinquency? How have you been able to manage that? And and have you had to try anything new? You know, what are your property managers doing? So look, I, I'm blessed that we had taken time to put the right property managers in place, right? We're also in the B, B plus space. So mm -hmm. there were some delinquencies, but we didn't face a lot of delinquencies. Thank God. I hope it doesn't happen now that I've said it. I haven't jinxed it, right? <laughs> so in our particular case, uh, we, because we are in a space where there is people are economically stressed, but they're not necessarily as stressed as it's B minus C's, D's, mm -hmm. all of that stuff, right? Number one. Number two, we had good property management on the side. And even before COVID, every quarter, every and every major holiday, right? Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and during the summers, some random time. I think, I think there's some holiday in the summers. Which one is it? Labor Day? Is that not? Fourth of July? I don't know. Fourth of July. Yeah, and there's another one somewhere. Okay. What we do is we'd have resident appreciation events. This is pre-COVID as well. Mm -hmm. So we'd bring a taco truck in, an ice cream truck in, or we'd have like on Halloween. Yeah, Halloween is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. What we have is like for children at least we designed some little games on easter we again this is nothing expensive i'm not talking like a twenty thousand dollar event i'm talking right, like seven hundred dollar right. event right yeah or for instance we'll have some pizza night this was pre-covid obviously so we had a lot of that going into this thing so yeah because we had a lot of that going into it i would like to think that helped us and we didn't have a lot of delinquencies but obviously we can't say for sure yeah that makes sense but also, it's just the space we're in, right? If we were in the C's or D's, I think that would be more of an issue for us. Right. I, I mean, just from my experience, you know, we, we've been watching that really closely. And we have some properties in the C space that have been really challenging and others, you know, similar stories to you. And, and for us in the C class, it's really hit or miss property by yeah. property. I think um, it's very dependent on your on-site property manager and how good is, yeah. she's he or she's developed. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so what, uh, what is your plan for growth? Are you syndicating? Are you trying to raise money? Are you act, trying to buy more and more properties? You mentioned you have a few other businesses. Tell me about, you know, what, where you're headed. So look, we're always in the market for deals, but because I sign up on the notes myself, I invested again, the big reason why I'm doing this, I told you earlier is taxes, but it's also because <laughs> I want to also make more money, right? Yeah. So we invest a good portion of our own money into our deals. So unlike a lot of people, we're not really that pushed to do deals because I have income from other areas. This, it's great I get this income, but I'm not. My household doesn't depend on this income, 
Right. right, right. Nice problem to have, right? Yeah. So that's why we keep on doing deals, but because it's most of it's our own money, we can pick and choose and take our time. So I'm not necessarily that concerned. And like by end of April, I got to go do this. I mean, I'd like to do it, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Sure. I also look at developments as well, because uh, there's just a profit margin there is higher typically. Yeah. And in some markets, it's becoming a case where you can develop for cheaper than you can buy. Yeah. You can buy an 80s vintage property for much more expensive than it is to yeah. actually build it. It's amazing. So then right? you say, well, screw it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll suck it up for two years, but screw right. it. I might as well build it and I'll still be below whatever is my, you know, the market price for this thing. And I'll have a new property. You have a new property, build it the right way. You don't have a lot of the issues that invariably any asset of any kind that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years old is going to have. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, okay, this is really awesome. Thank you for, for sharing. I'm going to give you an opportunity to let our audience know where they can find out more about you. So you can go to our website, Boardwalk Wealth. That's B-O-A-R-D-W-A-L-K-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Uh, you can read out about us, or if you just scroll to the, I think it's about three-fourths of the way down the homepage, there's a little box on the right side where you put your name, email, and how you find out about us. You click it, you'll get an email. You click on the link there to verify yourself, you'll be added to our mailing list. Then you can know whatever's going on. I don't like to have any funnels or anything of the sort. So you're not going to get, you're not going to be pounded by emails mm -hmm. left, right, and center. <laughs> I hate that shit. Right. So, and you know, whenever we have a deal, you'll find out. And if you don't have a deal, I guess we won't send you an email. There you go. <laughs> okay. Before we go, last question. Um, someone, you know, a lot of our audience is maybe just starting or has, you know, a one or two small multis under their belt, but they're looking to scale up. So they say, Omar, I want to get into multifamily investing or grow my multifamily investing business. What is your true multifamily tip for them? Well, the best thing is if you already have a rich uncle who dies and gives you all his money. Okay, That's there you go. always helpful if you can always do something like that. But if you can't swing that, then I guess you have to figure out what are you really good at? Look, some people are good at sales and marketing. Some people are good at operations. And you play that game, right? You don't try to be everything for everyone. Uh, so if you're good at sales, but but you got, but then it becomes being self-aware, self-aware enough to realize what are you really good at, and just focusing on that thing as a, because everybody says to improve. You know, we've been told to improve on our weaknesses. You know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't really believe in that. I think you should double down on your strengths because nobody's perfect, right? So yeah. unless you're not a complete sociopath, you know, short of that, double down on your strengths. Be the best version of that you can possibly be. And then you'll just attract people with a complementary skill set. And, you know, they can do the things they're really good at. You do the things you're really good at and combined, you can go much further. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's how our team is structured. You know, we, we've done so well by everyone staying in their lane and doing what they, they're really good at. I call it the superpower, right? I have my superpower. My partner is his. But it's really you know, hard to stay in your lane, man. People get really tempted. <laughs> it is. It is hard. But the, the more operators like you that I speak to, uh, that's the feedback that I keep hearing is like specialized, go deep, not, not wide, right? Go yeah. deep in what you know and what you're good at and bring someone else in who's gone really deep in their lane. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's one of those things where you just have to trial by, it's to trial by error thing because everybody gives the same advice, I think. But it's like riding a bicycle, man. You got to fall a few times yeah. before you get up and realize whatever system you have in your mind, what works for you best. So yeah. don't be afraid of failure, I think would be the bigger tip. Absolutely. Love yeah. it. Uh, Omar, thanks so much for coming on the show. Guys, all of his social website, everything will be up on our website, truemultifamily.show. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating review. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks, thanks Omar. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. 
And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.